establishing a continuity of <coughs> awareness on your primary chosen object or on choiceless objects. Remembering to recognize the present moment of the way things have come to be. <clears throat> and checking the attitude of mind with which you receive the object and with which you are undertaking your practice. <clears throat> Last night I spoke about the torments of the mind. Many of these arise in reaction to the quality of the object being known. So that when an unpleasant object arises, which may be disturbing sound or unpleasant sensation in the body or just an unwelcome memory or emotion, when an unpleasant object arises, our deeply conditioned habitual reaction is one of aversion, some form of disappointment, frustration, irritation, anger, upsetness, impatience. And while it seems quite ordinary, it seems quite justified to be upset with unpleasant experience, the upsetness is optional. The unpleasantness of the object arises with the object due to causes and conditions mostly beyond our control. But the upsetness, the tormentedness of the mind is our responsibility. It is something we can do something about. We can begin to recognize this torment of the mind. And when we recognize it, we need to relax and just accept that this is the way things have come to be for me for now. <clears throat> if we're not able to accept it, that this is the way it is, then we struggle, evade, dismiss, minimize, deny, avoid, and this further torments the mind. And so when any of the torments are recognized, check to see that there's an acceptance that this is the way things have come to be at this time. Only then can we see whether we're taking evasive actions to act it out, to deny it, to suppress it unskillfully. And we can then exercise some restraint. This is the third step in working with the torments once they've been recognized and we relax around accepting them, we exercise some restraint, being careful not to act out the desire, the fear, 
the judgment, the aversion. Because the torments are such a, a, a bother, they torment us, they cause us to suffer in some subtle or gross way, we often mistakenly believe that they are an obstacle to our practice. They do hinder practice. They do impede the development of wisdom. But they're not an obstacle. They're not an immovable, um, insurmountable roadblock. But rather they are an opportunity if we understand them correctly. Because this experience of the tormented mind is the very place that we do not yet uh, recognize with awareness. These deeply conditioned habits are so familiar and so recurring that they've become something of a personality trait and we just accept them as if this is the way it has to be or this is the way I am. <clears throat> when in fact, it's just a temporary visitor to the mind as the Buddha acknowledged. And with that understanding, with that skillful view of their arising, we can recognize that this is an opportunity to establish awareness of an object or an experience that we don't yet have <coughs> awareness of. As I mentioned last night, all of the torments are accompanied by restlessness, which is this kind of <coughs> ruminating mind, this thinking, speculating, wandering, chattering mind that kind of operates in the background often without any awareness of it. And so as we become aware of the torments in the mind, we may notice and most likely will notice this commentary, this narrative about why I'm so upset, why I should be this way, why I feel hurt, why I'm so critical of myself or others. And the narrative is the story we tell ourselves to justify indulging in the torment. But we're tormented. So this is the very place to bring awareness. The narrative, the story of the torment, the feeling in the heart of how unpleasant it really is, and then the physical correlates or the physical sensations that are conditioned by that mental state. There's a whole package of phenomena that appears with any of these torments. Once we've reframed our understanding away from an unskillful view that we need to just get rid of this torment to a more skillful view that here's an opportunity to develop awareness of an experience we're not yet familiar with, then we can 
cultivate the awareness of the whole package of phenomena that this torment presents to the mind. And so we say we, we observe what's going on, what's happening, in order to clearly understand the nature of this torment. So rather than it being my anger, my fear, my jealousy, we recognize that what is being experienced, what is being known, is the nature of fear. This is in the very nature of impatience. This kind of thought, this kind of sensation in the body, this feeling in the heart, is of the nature of anxiety or the nature of depression. It's not my depression, my fear, my anxiety. It's not that I'm an anxious person, I'm an impatient person, but rather there is this momentary arising of some visitor to the mind that is tormenting. When we begin to work with these states of mind in this way, reframing our understanding and being interested to understand what is going on here, we're not trying to figure it out, we're not trying to explain it, we're not trying to get rid of it. We're just observing it with a neutral or very balanced, relaxed attitude of mind, willing to see what's really there. In this way, we'll begin to become more familiar with how these torments, each one of them, manifest in the heart, in the mind, in the body. And we're less resistant, we're less skittish, we're less tormented actually, because of the power of the awareness to see things as they really are. To receive the nature of each of these torments. When we're willing to do that, and we're able to steady the attention and take in the fullness of the torment with full awareness and recognition, we realize something very important. We realize either that this that I thought was pleasant or justifiable is really not satisfactory at all. It's painful, it's oppressive, it's destabilizing, we don't feel secure with it. This is the characteristic of dukkha. And we recognize, oh, this torment has the characteristic of dukkha. Or we recognize in the continuity of observation that this torment is ever-changing. It just doesn't last very long. It's here for a split second, we feel it, and when we're willing to endure it, it just, it just slips away. It just doesn't have the legs to continue under the light of awareness. This too is a liberating realization. We don't have to get rid of the torment, 
We just have to see clearly that it doesn't last. The third insight that we realize at times in observing any of the torments, when we're perfectly willing and we have the relaxed interest to observe and know everything there is to know about this torment, we see that it's just a composite of other thoughts, feelings, assumptions, moods, sensations, memories, and it's just a rapidly fluxing appearance in the mind that has no inherent substance. There's really nothing to it except a big flurry, a big mm, dust ball spinning in the mind with pixels and bits and pieces of phenomena from the past, from the present, from the future that is creating this appearance of great suffering. And in fact, when we see and understand this clearly, recognizing the uh, selfless nature of it or the conditionality of it, again, we see that this torment that bothers us so much really has no substance. And in this, with this understanding, the heart is liberated from entanglement in the torment. This is the way to work with any of the experiences that you find yourself struggling with or feeling upset about or being lost in thought about. So today as you go about your awareness practice, taking notice of the present moment as much as possible, checking the attitude of mind in how you're making your effort in practice or how you're responding or reacting to the object being known. Whenever you notice you've been lost in thought or are struggling or are suffering in some way, recognize which torment of the mind has appeared that you've become entangled in. Recognize it, relax, exercise some restraint, reframe your understanding. Here is an opportunity to develop awareness and then let the awareness receive the fullness, the nature of this torment, whereupon you can realize any of the three characteristics that liberate the mind. Just do the best you can. That will be good enough.
Did you happen to be visited by any torments of the mind during the sitting? And what did you do? also genetic predisposition to depression, anxiety. And I'm Irish. I happen to come from a long lineage of predisposition to all kinds of torments. My struggle with what you were saying, and I, and I was judging myself because I thought, oh, you know, after all these years of this practice and noticing ah, this is depression, that it should be gone by now. Mm. I don't need to take pills. Mm. And that is not my felt experience. Mm. And yet that's my that's what I was reacting. I was having reactive mind as you were speaking last night. And I kind of wanted to get up and yell at you. But <laughs> needless to say, I have restraint. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So the the I'm just going to paraphrase for everyone. So the comment is that she had some reaction to what I was saying last night, making it seem like, hey, you can just work with things this way and you'll be free of your torments, uh, acknowledging that you have a genetic predisposition towards depression and you've experienced depression for some number of years and may or may not be taking medication, but just felt that... You wanted to get up and kind of scream and kind of beat me up or something like that. I wanted you to know that that is not my... That's not your experience. experience. No, I, I, I'm, I'm perfectly willing to acknowledge that the way I talked about the torments of the mind last night is not most of our experience. Most of us don't have that experience. Yeah, no, most, most of us do not. Most of us are tormented and we just you know, put up with it and we suffer and we just have a hell of a time. You know, we just go, go through life miserably, you know, with, with our stuff. And we do what we can. You know, some take medications for what they can. Some, you know, uh, self-medicate with alcohol and other drugs or restlessness or ambition or all kinds of things. And that's how we deal with them. Not very skillfully. I mean, some is skillfully. It's as skillfully as we can manage at the time. But when we're, now that we're here, now that we're practicing awareness, now that we're beginning to Cultivate this new capacity of mind. Okay, how can this new capacity of mind, awareness, understanding, and willingness, and the aspiration to be free of torments, and faith in the teachings, confidence to the extent that we have practiced and confirmed for ourselves already, the aspiration, the intention, the wholesome intention, the energy, the support of a group, the support of family, the support of teachers and teachings, all that's now available to you. Why shouldn't it be different than it has been genetically for generations 
and for you up to and including this time. You have a lot more resources starting today than you had before. But it doesn't just kind of happen by itself. It takes aspiration, intention, energy, understanding, encouragement, inspiration, repetition endlessly, and not too many expectations, like it's going to happen immediately. Okay? If you could be a monk, believe me, being a monk, being a nun is not the answer. Where, just because you shave your head and put on robes doesn't mean your mind changes one bit. <laughs> believe. I mean, it's a, good, it's a good place to try to practice, but your mind goes with you, even if you shave, even if you shave your head. Believe me. But your, your, under, your, 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 your reaction to what I said and your understanding of your own felt sense of, in this case, depression, uh, I'm not quibbling with that. Not quibbling at all. I just want to invite you to consider that things could be different going forward. And with a lot of with a lot of effort. Yeah. It can be. It can be. Um I don't know the whole story, but I know that Sayada Utejaniya, when he was a layman, uh it was a businessman, he suffered severe depression. Severe depression. First time he just muscled his way through it, and you can ask uh, Alexis about it, he knows more about it than me. But first way time he just muscled his way through it and kept from going under. Second time, it took a little longer and it wasn't quite as successful. Third time, there was no muscle. There was just wallow. But there was wallow with understanding. It's like this. It was He had the interest to try to understand what is going on. And that was his whole work. As a layman, while working daily in his shop, came to observe and understand the nature of depression, not my depression or his depression, the nature of depression, and disentangled himself from it. He no longer has that condition. And he speaks highly of how he believes others can do as he did to get some greater relief than they might yet be experiencing from debilitating torment of the mind. It's easy to talk about, you know, uh, working with the defilements. It's, it's the, the torments, it's, it's easy enough, but it is really, it is the whole practice of awakening. From now till the time you're finished and completely disentangled from all torments, this is the work ahead, is dealing with the torments. You know, yes, joy, bliss, love, peace, ecstasy, tranquility, equanimity, it all comes at times. <laughs> but the work, is, the work is confronting these tormented states of mind. And we have stories that justify them. I, I know, I, believe me. I'm not done yet. I got, I got my own. 
Yes. So in that work of listening to being with the, the torments that come up, um, there's times when I can notice it and I'm gone just like that, you know, because it's too hard. My mind is scattered. There's other times where I can notice it and kind of bear with it, but don't stay there. And my experience is that it transforms when I have, in the times when it feels like it's transformed, it's when my mind can, is more collected. Mm. And um, there's somehow more depth or strength to be able to stay still mm -hmm. and turn toward it and have not a reaction. Mm. So I think I get as I'm hearing the instructions, I don't hear that spoken about very much. What's the? There's like different qualities to the attention that we're able to bring, and sure. how that affects the the, um, the deepening of understanding, sure. and therefore the transformation. Totally. Uh, the comment is she has noticed uh, in dealing with torments that when. You're more stable, more collected, more, more um, forbearing of them. That they're, and you're able to be with them. That there seems to be more transformation around them in an understanding, and that she was commenting that doesn't seem to be much commentary or much instruction or acknowledgement of the different qualities that come with attention. Uh, give us time. We'll get there. <laughs> But it's true, you know, uh, what the thing that you said, the more stability of the mind, stability of the mind uh, does strengthen the attention. It does allow us to forbear greater tormentedness. It does collect the mind in a way that allows us to see what we're looking at more comprehensively and to understand it in a more refined way. That stability of mind is a direct function of the continuity of mind, mindfulness, or the continuity of awareness. The more continuous the mindfulness, the more collected the mind. The more collected the mind, the more stable you are, understand stable the mind is, and the more you see and understand. So we stress, over and over again, continuity of awareness. It's not what you're aware of. It's not how fast you're going or how slow you're going. It's just the continuity of acknowledging recognizing moment by moment. Whether you're hurrying about doing your yogi job or walking down the hill or going through the meal line or going to the toilet or whatever, or you're sitting still in the hall. It's continuity. Just keep recognizing moment after moment. And that's what stabilizes the mind. That's what deepens the stillness so that, as the Buddha said, the concentrated mind, the stable mind, understands things more deeply. You're right. Those, when those qualities are developed and enhanced, then there's more energy, there's more stamina, there's more steadiness, there's more stability, there's more understanding, there's more refinement, there's more collectedness of mind, there's more understanding that you bring to it, there's more understanding from what you do see. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, lots. We'll be talking about more of those qualities of mind as the retreat goes on. A little bit sober in the hall this morning. 
two things. Um, the first is while I was meditating today, all of a sudden I saw a person arrive and then got involved in the story, which was a, a fiction, and I recognized what was happening. <coughs> and then I came back to the present moment. And then again, some, another story like situation came up. I recognized that, came back to the present moment, and moved on. Now, the second thing that happened is that I noticed when I feel like jealousy or depression, I recognize it, and it, it disappears immediately. It becomes, it's like it's elusive. So it's gone, and I want to work with it, but it's elusive. And I feel that I'm not ready maybe to deal with those things, those torments or something. I, um, I think that that does happen sometimes where, you know, a tormented uh, kind of stream of thought is kind of going through the mind, and as soon as we notice it, it just vaporizes. It's just gone. It just it just falls off the screen, and we think, hey, wait a minute, come back. I want to I want to I want to I want to get familiar with you. What's going on here? You know, don't go looking for it. <laughs> if it's gone, let it be gone. <laughs> if you haven't seen the fullness of that particular state of mind and don't understand it completely, it'll come back and show you it again. You know, and as you develop more continuity to the awareness and your and, and the mind does get more collected and more stable, you will see things in greater detail. So it's like you know, when you drive on the interstate from, you know, one point to another and you're going 70 miles an hour, you see, you see what you're, you see what you're passing on the road, you see. But if you took and rode your bicycle down that same road, you'd see the same thing but in a lot more detail. And if you then just got off the bicycle and walked down that road, you'd see the same thing but in exponentially greater detail. This is what happens when the mind gets collected, as the continuity of awareness fills in, as we fill in the gaps of all the non-aware moments, we fill it in, the mind gets more collected, and we're looking at the same and familiar stuff, you know, the torments of the mind, or the sensations in the body, or you know, our personal history review. We're looking at the same stuff, but we see it from a very different perspective. We now see it in much greater detail, which, if there's any suffering in that, is magnified. Bummer. <laughs> but, because the mind is magnified, and it's collected, it's stable. It can, it can see this, this is suffering. There's no escaping it. There's no weaseling yourself out of it. There's no spinning it another way. It's suffering. I've got to do something about it. And you will, because the mind is so collected, it pulls in everything about what's going on at that time. All the thoughts, all the sensations, memories, plans, judgments, fear of practice, everything is kind of brought into it. And with that collectedness of information, that's when you have these aha moments. It's like, aha, now I get it.
That's the insight. It's not from thinking it out. You can't think it out. You can't read it in the book. You've got to kind of be there, collect it all, and just kind of stew in it. And then, ah, this little light bulb goes off and you say, okay, all right. Okay, you don't have to think about that either. It's already flicked the switch in the mind. You know, when you have that insight, it's like, click. Oh, things go together in a different Your understanding goes together in a different way, and it doesn't go back. There's more insights to be gained, so keep keep looking. Yeah? Oh. Okay, since I asked, quick, Glee. Keep it short. Yes. Yes. To me, my experience feels different than mindfulness. Okay. Um, so, I guess I've experienced something and I identify as, as mindfulness on prior retreats. Mindfulness on uh, prior retreats, yeah. So the comment is, with this practice, she's finding herself much, seemingly much closer and right nose to the grindstone of whatever it is that's going on, whereas that understanding of mindfulness seems to be different than previous retreats where she had a much more spacious uh, experience with what she was calling mindfulness and just wanted to know what's going on. Yes, it's like that. Um, <laughs> Meaning, there are many different ways to experience mindfulness. Some of it is, you know, it, you feel like you're in it. Sometimes you're you're step back and aware of it. There's just many different subjective qualities to awareness. And so I wouldn't I wouldn't try to pin it down and say this is the way it's supposed to be, but rather, oh, this is the way it is now. This is the way it was then, and that this will be the way it's going to be later. Our understanding of awareness, mindfulness changes as we practice and as we gain more, a broader range of experiences with the practice in mindfulness. So, yeah, be careful about trying to pin it down, especially looking for experience that you had in a prior retreat. That is real torment. <laughs> it's called attachment. Don't go there. You know, just keep going forward from here to the next moment couple of comments. There's some event going on down over the hill today at the main hall down there. Don't go there. <laughs> It'll be, it's quite likely to be a lot of people, a lot of activity, not, not conducive to where your mind is and the work you're doing here. It'd be a good thing to do if you weren't here, but you're here. So have some respect and appreciation for the work that you've put in already to develop some stillness and awareness of mind and keep your practice going here. What else was I supposed to say? Carrie's gone in bed. Right. Carrie, one of the managers that has been here with Robert over the first few days of the retreat, uh, is done her shift, so to speak, on this retreat, 
and another manager, Beth, will be showing up later today. Yeah, Beth and this morning. So if you don't see Carrie, can't talk to her. <laughs> if you see somebody else, you can talk to them. <laughs> Check it out, see if it's Beth. <laughs> okay. What? Interviews. Uh, Alexis has put up a sheet, or will soon put up a sheet. Uh, if you are not being seen in a group today, and you would like an individual opportunity to talk with Alexis about what's up for you today, sign them up. Okay. Have a... Have a... <laughs> you know... Have a, an aspirational day where you just, you know, do the best you can. That's good enough. That's all you can do. All you can do is the best you can. You know, and if we keep doing that, we'll fulfill the path of practice eventually. Okay. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.